Hello and welcome to another podcast. We're working on Chapter 15, Gender and Leadership, from Leadership Theory and Practice, 7th edition by Peter Northhouse. So in this, uh, I think, final podcast for the course, we're going to talk about um, gender and leadership, specifically talking about um, females in leadership positions and things like the glass ceiling or, or glass labyrinth or whatever other term you know you think maybe fits better. Um, kind of as a, um, a, uh, an opening to this and a, a um, disclaimer, uh, as a male, it's, it's difficult for me in many ways to fully appreciate or understand the challenges that females face um, acquiring leadership positions uh, in both the private sector, the public sector, in, uh, in military. So may, most of what I'm going to do here in this podcast is just going to kind of give you um, an overview of the chapter and talk about some of the research findings we've seen of late that kind of point to you know, where we are in terms of uh, equality and leadership um, with respect to gender. Um, I, I make no uh, attempts to, to fully appreciate the challenges women face because as a man, I just can't. Um, it's something that I, I, you know, I'm, I'm blind to in, in many ways. So anyway, uh, with that said, I want to jump in here and talk a little bit about um, gender and leadership. So um, historically, um, you know, if, if you go back, you remember we talked about trait theory early on in the term. I talked about the the first trait theories were called the great man theory. Well, there's a reason for that because leaders were all men. So times have definitely changed. Um, and there is an interest in female uh, leadership and, and women in leadership, and that um, there's research on that that's ongoing. Um, researchers really ignored those issues until the 70s, and then at, you know post 70s, you had researchers and academics at least starting to ask the question of can women lead, and what does their leadership style look like? Is it different from men? Is the effectiveness different? You know those questions started to be asked, which um, you know, now that's coming from the academic side of the house. That doesn't mean that um, popular culture w- was yet really catching on to that and, and business was catching on to that. But in academic circles, anyway, it was becoming a topic of conversation. Um, and so you start to see changes uh, in terms of the, the presence of women in leadership roles. And we have made some some strides in terms of, of women in leadership. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, um, you know, where we are currently and, and where maybe we'd like to go. Um so the biggest challenge you're seeing now, and for a while, you know, you've heard the glass ceiling. Um, the glass ceiling was referenced to this idea that women could advance to a certain point within an organization, and then beyond that point, they could not really advance, and that was the glass ceiling. Um, researchers recently coined a phrase, the, the glass labyrinth, um, and uh, Cheryl Sandberg, who's at Facebook now and recently wrote a book, Lean In. If you haven't read it, it's pretty interesting. Um, perspective on on women in trying to be in leadership roles and the challenges they face, but um, they have adopted more of this labyrinth or jungle gym metaphor for how women must um, advance through leadership channels. It's not so much that you can't advance; it's just that it's um, a perilous kind of journey to get there sometimes, and you have to take lots of different angles to um, to get there, as opposed to taking a direct path which is oftentimes more um, accessible to men. So currently, um, what are some current statistics? 
Currently, uh, women outnumber men in higher ed. They get more bachelor's degrees, more master's degrees, uh, more than half the doctoral degrees, and almost half the professional degrees, things like medical degrees, law degrees. So um, certainly lots of uh, education for women. They make up nearly half the U.S. labor force. They're at 46.8 was the statistic that was quoted in the text. However, they're still underrepresented in upper echelons of Americans' top corporations and political systems. So you will see uh, women um, occupying management positions. Uh, in fact, many management positions, uh, more than half um, in many organizations. What you And you will see them occupying some um, executive C-suite level positions, not as many as men, but, but many. What you won't see is many women in C-suite positions, CEO positions, top management positions at things like Fortune 500 companies. So in the elite leadership roles, you still see very few uh, women in those roles. Um, and they give you some statistics here, representing only 4% of Fortune 500 CEOs. Also, in the political arena, uh, if you compare, you know, if you figure half of the population is female, um, that is not represented in your uh, political officials, right, your elected officials. 99 of the 535 seats in the Congress are held by women, which is only 18.5%. Um, 20% of your Senate, just over 18% of your House. Um, when you start breaking it down further into minority status, women of color occupy only 30 se seats in the Congress. Um, so anyway, you're seeing... You're seeing um, Fewer women in the political uh, arena as well. Uh, also in military, high-ranking U.S. Uh, women military officers uh, under 7%, so very few officers in military. Um, it's a global phenomenon in terms of there being uh, fewer women in leadership roles. Uh, most of this research, though, is all done in the U.S., and so at the end of this, one of the criticisms of this research, which we'll talk about, is it's very difficult to generalize across cultures because um, um, culturally, the role of the sexes in culture and uh, the role of gender in culture is is a major player, right? So in some countries, simply the societal view of women uh, varies so much from other countries that that's going to dictate leadership highly in those countries. So, so anyway, so that gets to be a little bit of a sticky, sticky mess there. So there's three general explanations that have been offered for why women are have fewer uh, leadership opportunities, uh, particularly these these high level uh, leadership opportunities, and we'll talk about those. Um, the first one is the human capital uh, uh, perspective, then gender differences, and then lastly prejudice, and all these leading to the leadership labyrinth we've talked about. So the human capital focuses on the idea that maybe there's a pipeline problem. Um, there's just not enough qualified women to take on these roles. Qualified in terms of experience, qualified in terms of education, um, qualified in terms of training. Um, generally speaking, the, um, the data doesn't support this. Um, women do have somewhat less work experience and certainly less continuity in the workplace than men because they oftentimes are asked to take on more family roles. So their continuity in the workplace is, is lessened. Um, so that, that certainly is true. Um, they tend to respond to work-home conflicts by not marrying, not having kids, becoming the superwoman that does both, um, rather than 
um, marrying and having a husband that stays home. I mean, that happens, but it's not as common, right? Um, also, they tend to use more flex time and workplace leave um, in, in order to care for children. And by doing that, they become marginalized in the process. They're viewed as not being capable leaders because of their their, their choice to, to use their flex time or workplace leave, um, which was allowed to them, but nonetheless carries a connotation that, that may lead to being viewed as as less leadership uh, potential, which we'll talk about that when we talk about prejudice. Um, as I talked about, women occupy more than half the management professional positions. Um, one of the challenges they do face is fewer development opportunities. They are mentored less, given less access to development. Um, or the, the opportunity may be there, but it's not pushed for women and it's pushed for men. So there's a lot of um, subtle and not so subtle ways that development is more common among um, male potential uh, leaders than, than female. Um, what else on here? Um, I think I covered all those. Okay, so gender differences in leadership styles and effectiveness. So looking at it from that standpoint. Contrary to stereotypical expectations, women leaders aren't less task-oriented or more interpersonal than men. It's very common to think that women are relationship-oriented and therefore women are going to care more about relationships in leadership roles than, in, than tasks. Uh, research does not support really any of that. We've done a lot of research. We haven't found that to be true. Women do tend to be more participative in their leadership roles. They do tend to ask more for input. They tend to uh, engage followers more in the process of leadership than men do. Um, they tend to have um, an adaptive style because women are devalued when they lead in a masculine way. Um, so they quickly learn to be more participative and adaptive and less um, authoritarian um, or, or, um, or masculine in their approach. One thing that's interesting is women actually tend to be very successful when using a transformational approach. Um, they tend to be more transformational naturally, um, um, engaging people's um, you know, emotions and trying to get people to buy in and be, you know, um, support the team effort. That tends to be more their, their natural tendencies um, and they tend to be very effective at it relative to men. Um, they're still valued less than men, um, unfortunately, but they do tend to be effective. So I guess that's the good news. Um, women also tend to engage in more contingent reward behavior than men in leadership roles. So they do tend to be more explicitly, um, try to find ways to use rewards and incentives, um, in their leadership approach. In terms of effectiveness of males and females, they're equally effective. We really don't find any major difference in terms of effectiveness, um, Women uh, is interesting are, are seen as less effective than men when the role is very masculinized, like in the military. Um, but again, a lot of these effectiveness measures are ratings by their male followers. So not to say that's not important. It does matter what your followers think of you. But again, when you think you when you enter into things like prejudice, that's obviously going to affect people's ratings of you if you have a, a prejudiced view towards women leaders. So again, very difficult to kind of um, tease those apart. Um, they do tend to be somewhat more effective in education, government, social services, and they are substantially better in middle management, probably because of their adaptive style and their ability to um, 
reach across the aisle, their ability to try to um, manage up and down um, at the same time, they, they tend to be um, more adept at that, probably because they have to be. Commitment to employment and motivation to lead. Uh, men and women show the same amount of identification and commitment to paid employment roles. Um, nothing major here. One of the big things is women have been found to be less likely to promote themselves uh, for leadership roles, so they're not good at self-promotion, and they're not particularly um, well. Good's not the right word. They're not. They're not. Um, they tend not to engage in self-promotion. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I can say they're good or bad at it. They don't do it, and they also um, tend not to uh, negotiate um, or, or or try to negotiate. Um, for positions, for uh, financial gain, for any of those things, um, they tend to take, you know, more like take a first offer than, than negotiate. Um, men are more likely to ask for what they want. Women are less likely to do that. And they receive more backlash when they do, which is probably why they don't. So that makes sense. Um, prejudice, like I said, we talked about that. Gender bias stemming from stereotyped expectations. Um, I told you before, in trait theory, when we talk about prototype theory, generally speaking, people... When their their prototype for leadership is more of a masculine prototype, um, being feminine in the United States is not seen as leaderly, um, generally speaking. So that right there tells you there's some prejudice in terms of how we we think about leaders um, yeah, that th- that exists. Um, let's see what else. Men are stereotyped with. Uh, Agenic characteristics, confidence, assertiveness, independence, rationality, and decisiveness, it's assumed men have these things, whereas it's assumed women may not. Women are stereotypically assumed to have communal characteristics, concern for others, sensitivity, warmth, and helpfulness. Those things aren't necessarily true, but that's the stereotype that's assumed a lot of times. Um, And those assumptions can go a long way in determining the opportunities that you receive. Um, These gender stereotypes do explain some findings. Women facing cross pressures are they're asked to be both tough but also not too masculine. You hear this all the time, right? Um, if a if a you know if if a man is is tough, he's assertive. If a woman is tough, she's a bitch, right? I mean that's kind of the unfortunate um, stereotype or um, or um, view that's placed on 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 women leaders. Um, it's it, and it's it's difficult because. You do have to be tough because if you're not tough, then you're seen as too soft, and so you can't be a leader. But if you're if you're you know if you're if you're too hard, then then you're not viewed as um, you know you're you're viewed unfavorably if you're a woman. So it's a it's a catch twenty two. Um, penalties for women who violate gender stereotypes. Um, there's been some examples of that. Decision makers influenced by um, Homos, uh, homosocial reproduction, a tendency for groups to reproduce itself in its own image. Male leaders tend to choose male successors, right? When you're choosing your your um, your number two person who's going to su- su- uh, be your successor, oftentimes we pick someone who is like us and 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 like us in many ways, our personality, our values, and our our gender. Oftentimes. Moving right along here. Okay, so how do you navigate the labyrinth? What have we found in terms of ways that women can can actually find their way uh, through this labyrinth and, and make it to the top? Fortunately, the culture in many organizations is changing. 
Um, cultures are offering more opportunities, more development opportunities. They're explicitly trying to um, push for women leaders within their organization um, at higher levels. Um, gendered work assumptions are starting to be challenged. There's more conversations about that. Um, so lots of things in, in that nature in terms of the culture may be changing some. Um, another thing is that, um, you know, I think women leaders and potential leaders are being taught uh, to negotiate for positions. Um, they're being trained on how to do that and maybe um, so I think that's helping some. Increasing parroting and parity in domestic responsibilities. Men are assuming more roles in the family, which does keep women from having to do take as much leave or um, you know time away, which which helps their perception the, from the perception that they they can be leaders. Um, again, I don't know that if you take that time away that that really is an indicator you can't be a leader, but from a perceptual standpoint, it can be. Uh, people look at you. Oh, well, you know they they don't they're they're not committed enough or whatever. So as men take on more roles in the household and in the family, it it does free women up to be a little more um, continually engaged in their work in their work and workplace. Um, another thing that's big is women's forays into entrepreneurship. A lot of women are starting their own businesses. That's starting more and more women led companies. And um, that's one way to make sure you get to the top of the company is to start it yourself, right? So you don't have to worry about navigating that labyrinth if you start the company. Um, so that, that's one way you're starting to see a rise of female leaders. Um, women are starting to embrace transformation leadership because that is one of the leadership approaches I told you that they're naturally inclined towards and also that they are not judged as harshly um, for. So, um, you know, embracing that transformational style allows them to be more assertive without losing femininity um, in some ways. So like I said, there's strengths and weaknesses to the research that's been done in, uh, on gender. Um, I think just the fact that it's being researched is helpful because it brings it into the conversation more. And I think that's a big part anytime you want to try to break down um, bias and stereotype is to have more conversations about it. Like I said, one of the major criticisms is that across cultures and countries, uh, this, this, these studies tend to break down because it really does depend heavily on a societal view of women in terms of how leadership is, is portrayed. Um, so that's something to consider. I think that's about it. Um, if you haven't read the chapter, make sure you take a look at that. Um, I think it's really interesting. A lot of the statistics you may not be aware of. So take a look and, um, and I hope you enjoyed our discussion on, on gender and leadership. Thanks.